This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore, mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 225 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue our Halloween season with another ghost story. This is the tale of the Radiant Boy. But first, a very big welcome along to any new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you are so, so very welcome. Um, If you enjoy this, why don't you head right back to the very beginning of the podcast, um, 224 episodes ago, and see what we've been building up to over the last nearly five years of the podcast. Um, All the usual ways you can support the podcast, if you're enjoying it, is to tell your friends, share this on your social media, uh, follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you want to say hello or if you have any personal and professional queries. Um, and if you want to support in a more direct way, you can buy my book, Garden Sea, my poetry collection, uh, available in paperback from the Headstuff website and in Kindle form from Amazon. And we can ship the paperback all around the world. Um, and Garden Sea is nearly celebrating its second birthday, so that's very exciting that it's been in the world that long. Uh, thank you to the, all of those who have bought it over the last couple of years, and uh, I hope you've all enjoyed it in all of its new homes. Uh, but if you're a returning listener, as always, this is you're very much appreciated, and all of this you know. All of these links will be in the description below. It's lovely to be recording with you again today. Um, I'm still getting into the swing of the catch-up of this podcast uh, recorded um, the ghost of Grace Connor yesterday, and these two episodes will come out at the same time, uh, and followed by another two episodes this week as we try and uh, catch up uh, to reach 250 episodes before the end of the year to make up for the lost time earlier on in this year. Um, and again, thank you so much for any returning listeners. Thank you so much for your patience during this time, and thank you for all your messages. Uh, during what has been uh, a difficult enough year. Uh, But the story for this week, as we are in the Samhain season, um, is another ghost story, one that has a footing in a historical context, which I only really discovered about halfway through adapting it. Uh, There was something about the character of whom the story is about that suddenly felt real and sure enough it is a real character i won't give too much away before we actually read the story uh, but it was an interesting discovery 
Uh, I don't know what it was about it. This is another tale that comes out of WB8's collection of fairy and folk tales of Ireland. Um, and it was one that really grabbed me straight away. I always say that the my favorite stories to adapt are the ones that on a first reading, I feel I could tell myself uh, that I don't have to glance back and forth to the source. Um, I can just freely adapt it and create my own version of these stories. And The Radiant Boy was one such story. So we will, of course, chat more afterwards. But this is the tale of The Radiant Boy on Fireside. The Radiant Boy Captain Stewart, later to inherit the title of Lord Castle Ray, as a young man ventured around the entire island of Ireland. It was sport that Captain Stewart loved above all else, particularly hunting. He was not fussy what for, deer, duck, pheasant, as long as it provided a well-earned challenge. But one evening, after an exhausting shoot, Captain Stewart found himself lost. To make matters worse, it was dark and miserable out, and a storm was growing. So the hunting captain found himself on the doorstep of a country estate. He presented his card to the butler at the door and was invited inside. The hospitality of the Irish gentry was proverbial, paramount, and sacred. The lord of the estate greeted Captain Stewart and said, You are most welcome here, sir. However, you have chosen a very unfortunate night to arrive on my doorstep. I am hosting a large party for my friends, you see, and many other weary travellers like yourself have also taken shelter from the storm. So, despite the vast size of this manor, we are unusually short on room. However, I will not see you put out in that weather. Come in, rest yourself, eat and drink, and we'll see what we can do. The host turned to his butler and told him to make sure that there would be a suitable accommodation for the captain. The party was in full swing when Captain Stewart was invited into the main hall. Numerous fireplaces were roaring as drunken guests ate, drank, and sang around them. It did not take the captain long to relax, eat his fill, and catch up with all the revelers on drink. Fine wines and ports and brandies were in full flow. No glass was left completely empty always being refilled before it could be finished. The captain chatted at length to his gracious host, who informed him that the estate was some of the best hunting ground in the area. You are welcome to stay for a few more days, said the host, and we can walk and shoot and feast on our spoils. This was music to the captain's ears, feeling the full embrace of the host's hospitality. As the night wore on, one by one the guests retired to bed, 
Captain Stewart, being late to the party, was one of the last men standing. But eventually the day's hunt and exhaustion, coupled with the wine and meal, all hit him at once. The butler informed the captain that they had indeed found a room for him. Captain Stewart was guided up long staircases and down longer corridors until eventually they arrived at his room. The room was large and almost completely bare. There were no furnishings, no carpets or curtains, just a bed, a lit fireplace, and a few crates and chests filled with miscellaneous clothing, paintings, and other rich paraphernalia that had no place anywhere else in the house. It looked like a lavish storage closet, the primordial spare room. But to Captain Stewart, weary from the day and night, the room was perfect. He began to undress and was about to go to bed when he realized the fire was too strong. It would be too warm to sleep and dangerous to leave a fire roaring. So, wielding a poker and tongs, the captain reduced the fire down to a warm glow. Captain Stewart then climbed into the welcome warm of the bedsheets and fell instantly asleep. The captain awoke after what could only have been an hour or two. He surmised this because the fire was dead, but he could still smell the last of the smoke. The room should have been completely dark, but it wasn't. It cannot be dawn, thought the captain. It wasn't dawn. Captain Stewart arose in bed to see the shining figure of a young boy. He glowed like rosy-fingered dawn, almost blinding the captain to look upon him. And look upon the boy, the captain did not for very long. I'm tired and, and drunk, the captain said, turning his face away. Nothing to fear. But it took a long time for Captain Stewart's heart rate to slow down, and never again did he look in the direction where the boy had been. After an uneasy night, Captain Stewart arose and went down to breakfast. He appeared pale to his host and was not touching his food. Did you have a pleasant sleep? the host asked. I found it difficult to settle, the captain replied shortly. I thank you for your hospitality, but I must be off. If your butler can prepare my horse. The host was surprised. I thought we were going hunting. The host was appalled at the prospect of not having supplied sufficient hospitality and repeatedly questioned the captain as to why he wanted to suddenly leave. The captain, embarrassed, was not keen to answer, but eventually the host wore him down. I believe, began Captain Stewart, that I have fallen victim to some sort of practical joke by another of your guests, and perhaps a member of your staff, perhaps even yourself, sir, and in any case I do not feel it was an appropriate way to be treated. 
The host took this accusation very seriously and assured Captain Stewart he would get to the bottom of the matter. One by one, each guest and member of the household staff was questioned, but every person denied and was indeed offended by the thought of such a thing. Suddenly, a thought occurred in the host's mind. Now it was him who grew pale, and he sank into his chair with his head in his hands. Hamilton, the host asked his butler, in what room did Captain Stewart sleep last night? The butler was silent for a moment. Well, sir, as you know, the house was completely full. Many of your guests were sleeping four or five to a room, and such quarters would not have been sufficient for the captain. So I prepared for him the boy's room. But I did light a large blazing fire to stop him from coming out. You were very wrong to do that, the host said gravely. You know I have forbidden anyone from staying in that room. Why do you think there is no furniture in there? I knew I should have taken that bed out. Who is this boy? asked Captain Stewart. What's going on? The host turned to the captain, and from his look alone, the captain's stomach dropped. Many years ago, began the host, my ancestor who built this manor became a very rich and powerful man. He built his power at the cost of his own family. He neglected them and was never here particularly his youngest son, who died as a child, in that very room you stayed in last night. As such, the vengeful spirit of the boy remains and haunts that very room. It is still a tradition in our family that whoever witnesses the radiant boy will become powerful beyond their wildest dreams. At this, the captain didn't see what the problem was. He felt powerful when he held a gun and sought to seek more. But the host went on. He will become powerful, but will suffer a sudden and most violent death. For hundreds of years the boy has appeared, and from our records, the curse has never been proven wrong. Captain Robert Stewart would succeed his father as the second Marquess of Derry, Lord Castlereagh, and Viscount Castlereagh. He would serve the Viceroy of Ireland to support press the United Irishmen at the 1798 Rebellion. He served as a foreign secretary after the Act of Union, and was part of the coalition that defeated Napoleon. After falling from favor and becoming hated by English and Irishmen alike, Lord Castlereagh slit his own throat. The radiant boy was proven right, 
Captain Stewart had risen to power beyond reckoning, and had indeed met a sudden and violent end. The End I Know The Face is a movie podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network, hosted by me, Stephen Porzio, and me, Andrew Carroll. Our show is all about character actors, the type of performers you'll see pop up in supporting roles in blockbusters, the type of people you know the faces but not the names. Each episode we pick one particular character actor and discuss a couple of their movies, shining a light on the performer's career while giving listeners plenty of movie recommendations. So the show is a must for cinema lovers. Subscribe to I Know That Face wherever you get podcasts and follow us on Twitter at I Know That Face P1. And there we have the tale of the radiant boy on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed when I read read it first and couldn't wait to adapt it. Yes, of course, first and foremost, this is a ghost story. And we had more of a background last episode onto the nature of Irish ghosts. And this is a different kind of haunting to the one we had last episode in The Ghost of Grace Connor. As typically, a ghost is the spirit of some soul that has unfinished business in the mortal plane. And they are seeking to seeking to hasten to their rest. For no ghost wants to remain a ghost. And so with Grace Connor, she had unfinished, literal unfinished business, unfinished transactions with former customers that she wanted uh, to have made amends for. But we have a different kind of specter in this story um, because the radiant boy doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It seems that he is eternally bound to haunt this room and to select those who he deems uh, destined for unbelievable power and a terrible, brutal end. And I love the I love the setup of this story. You know, we have the big, typical old manor and the image of these long Kubrickian corridors. I couldn't stop thinking of The Shining the whole way through this. And then this one room, similar to the room in The Shining, uh, room 237, um, or room 217, as it is in the book, um, which Stanley Kubrick changed, like he changed many other things. Um, But this one forbidden room, you know, uh, and that is such a classic trope of... um, of ghost stories in general and um, and in real life um depending on your view of ghosts of course uh, there is a hotel um well it's a pub in my hometown that serves as a B&B as well um the Bridge Tavern which uh, was the birthplace of Captain Robert Halpin who laid the first transatlantic um cables uh, that made it possible for uh, Ireland and the US to communicate with each other Um, and so Robert Halpin is kind of Wicklow's big hero and there's a big obelisk to his memory 
um, in the centre of the town. And he was born in the Bridge Tavern, and the Bridge Tavern still very much celebrates him. Um, but there is a theory that his ghost haunts the Bridge Tavern, and there is a room in the bridge, uh, which for a long time, it's it's changed owners in the more recent years, so I don't know if it's still such as the case, but certainly for a long time under the old ownership, uh, this this room, I don't know whether it was room one um, or which room it was, uh, that was haunted by the ghost of Robert Halpin. And my brother worked in this bar for many years and I spent many, many times there myself. And um, my brother and his friend uh, were working uh, in the pub one night as night porters and they went up uh, to try and mess with the, the ghost of Robert Halpin and claimed that the handle of the door shook and they certainly thought the better of it immediately and ran down the stairs. Um, my brother even falling down the stairs head over heels, uh, landing safely and uh, miraculously having not spilt a drop of his pint. Um, but so that's from my own experiences that that is a tale of like the forbidden room and we have that here with the radiant boy but as for captain stewart himself so yes when the two big things that i added um were the circumstances of the radiant boy and this bit of background on who captain stewart was because in the story itself um in the Fairy and Folktales book, um, it doesn't say who the Radiant Boy was, or it just says that there was a, a family tradition. Um, so I got to use the old imagination a little bit. I imagine, well, if he was a child, he obviously died as a child. Why, do, why does he haunt these people? Uh, why does he doom them to great power and a brutal end? And so we would imagine that, I just imagine that this was a neglected child who's father had uh, had sought money and wealth and power which he'd obviously got if his ancestors still live in this huge lavish country estate um, but at the cost of um, neglecting his own children and his own family which of course still rings true sometimes to this very day um, in our pursuit of money and success and power um, so that made sense for me with that. And then it was just as I was at the end, it just, the story just ended with uh, that the Radiant Boy had never been proven wrong. Um, and I can't even tell what it was. Maybe it was just that it was such an abrupt ending that it felt like I was meant to know who Captain Stewart was. And then, sure enough, I looked him up. I looked up this Lord Castlereagh. It was the Lord Castlereagh probably part at the beginning that Captain Stewart later to become Lord Castlereagh. And sure enough, yeah, this guy had uh, a hell of a career <laughs> when it came to uh, a very turbulent time in Irish history. Um, so was a part of the suppression of the 1798 Rebellion, which was really Ireland's first real go at claiming um, independence. It was inspired heavily by both the American Revolution and the French Revolution and was going to be Ireland's first claim to uh, the right to self-determination, led by Theobald Wolfe Tone and the United Irishmen. 
And yes, this Captain Robert Stewart, Lord Castlereagh, Viscount Castlereagh, was a part of the suppression of that. So you can understand for um, country folk in Ireland in the 19th century after um, after the 1798 rebellion and before and after the, the famine then, which would follow 50 years later, uh, that a figure like, uh, like Lord Castlereagh would not be looked on very fondly. But interestingly, he also served in the passing of the Act of Union, which was the in 1803, that, uh, 1801 or 1803, maybe 1801, uh, that officially you may created the United Kingdom of Britain and Ireland. Um, so from, from the medieval times, from the time of the Norman invasion, and then that transition from Norman power into English power, um, Britain had always occupied Ireland, but... The Act of Union was the first time, which was only in the the early 1800s, that was the first time it became the United Kingdom of uh, Britain and Ireland. And yeah, Lord Castlereagh was responsible for this as well, or certainly he served a good part for it. And then finally, yes, he was um, on another side of it. He helped also uh, negotiate the defeat of Napoleon. So this... This guy obviously would have been very, very well known at this time. This is almost like a celebrity folktale, you know, that you would tell in the pub and uh, an urban legend. And I find that very, very fascinating and wanted to naturally give just a little bit of a background on this person uh, who was not only reviled in Ireland, but seemed to be so staunch and strict and merciless in his his pursuit of power and in his beliefs that he ended up falling out of favour with the crown and in Britain as well, um, leading to be hated by everyone essentially and leading to him while in office um, to slitting his own throat. And from that, from that brutal end um, to a controversial figure of the time, uh, we suddenly get to this ghost story and it, it would be interesting to see other versions of this tale with different historical figures of the time because there's no doubt while this is a story of folklore, the potency that it adds and also a little image and a window into the time that this story comes from um, of a poorer country class um telling stories of these lords and these gentry that had and were suppressing them um, and using storytelling as this release to entertain and to satirize these figures and the strength and the power in that. And that made this, I was interested in the story from my first reading, but that really hooked me in then and, and made this very exciting too to conclude and but of course i would love to hear your thoughts on that um especially for any irish people particularly those interested in in history that listen to them um because i'd be very very interested naturally in irish history but this isn't a figure i've come across before so i'd be interested uh, listeners in britain as well of course as well if this captain if this lord castlereagh this viscount castlereagh is a figure that you have heard of before um i'd be always interested because he seems to like him or hate him to be a very interesting 
figure from a very turbulent and important time for not just Irish politics, but for European politics as well. And in terms of the uh, conclusion of the Napoleonic Wars, um, not just with the, the 1798 rebellion and the French Revolution. Um, so yes, please do let me know your thoughts on the story and if this is a figure you've come across before. Um, next week, we are going to have the story of the Avertok, uh, who is a supernatural dwarf, who is essentially the Celtic vampire and a strong contender for a huge influence on Bram Stoker uh, for the creation of Dracula. He's a figure I discovered, um, I think last year, the year before last, um, during research for a lecture, a lecture I was giving in um, my old school on Samhain. And I'm very much looking forward to sharing the tale of him with you next week. So that is what to look forward to. and Or not even next week, I'll release it this week as well, so we continue to catch up. And I want to hopefully get about 10 episodes out in October um, if not more um, especially with Halloween being such a ripe time for folklore um, get a couple more changing tales and puka tales and banshee stories whatever I can find and dig up and adapt uh, so there's lots lots and lots coming up as we lead up to the 5th anniversary of the podcast uh, so as always please do follow me over on Instagram email me at, uh, at or Instagram at firesidebard email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com Buy my book, A Garden Sea, A Neo-Myth of Home. I really, really appreciate that, those who do, and hope you enjoy it. Um, you can follow me over on, a he- you can subscribe to Headstuff Plus as well, whereas for as little as five euro a month, although you can gain mo- play more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I will see you all, you'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the Fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.